What's up, everybody? Welcome back to my channel. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on a single video. So this is, I believe, the 10th or 11th episode of the seventh season of Teen Mom OG. And it turns out that it is Bentley's birthday. He's nine years old, but unfortunately, his father still hasn't completed his drug test that Macy had requested. And so he's not allowed having Bentley over at his home specifically. And so Macy decides to compromise by allowing his parents, Jen and Larry, to host Bentley's birthday party over at their place, I believe it was some sort of slumber party. Meanwhile in Indiana, Gary and his wife Christina talk about Amber's latest pregnancy and Gary says that his first reaction to finding out that Amber was pregnant was, shoot, didn't you just meet this guy? And that she hopes that uh, Amber is actually ready to be a mother this time around and that she will actually take care of this child. He was like, you know, when I was with Amber at first, she was pretty okay with Leah, but she eventually stopped fulfilling her role and Gary claimed that he had to step up to the plate and really become the primary caregiver for Leah. Now, guys, is there a reason that Tyler never drives? Just out of my own curiosity. Anyway, while en route somewhere, he once again complains about not being able to sleep, to which Kate requests a party in his pants later that evening, and the shady-ass producers show Nova giving a side-eye, which probably wasn't even to that comment. Across the ocean, Farah and her family are still in Italy when she and her mother hit up a karaoke party, where Deborah jams out to her hit song Deb's OG and motorboats a fan as Farrah downs her champagne to cope with the embarrassment. Now the next day, Deborah and Farrah head out with Sophia out on their little patio and Deborah shows Sophia a bunch of dresses that she had bought for her and it turns out that she was about to start manipulating uh, Sophia into wanting to join her wedding. So she goes, these are all the dresses that grandma bought for you, Sophia. I would just love it if you wore one of these, you know, to my wedding and Farrah's like whoa 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 hold up you already know that Sophia does not even want to attend your wedding so why are you over here trying to manipulate my child so Deborah asks Sophia Sophia well do you want to be part of my wedding and Sophia says no I don't like David and she walks away and then um, but meanwhile still in kind of the space where she could see Deborah and Farrah and um, Farrah again scolds Deborah for trying to pressure, I would say, Sophia into wanting to be part of her wedding. And Deborah turns on the watermarks for Sophia and goes, Sophia, I would still go to your wedding even if you were getting married to someone that I didn't approve of because I love you no matter what. As if to say that Sophia doesn't love her own grandma no matter what. And it was just a really, really uncomfortable scene. Not only Deborah putting on the waterworks for Sophia in order to try to guilt trip her into attending her wedding. But Farah's scolding Deborah about the wedding and Sophia hating David in front of her. It was just all way, way too much for my grown ass to handle. So I don't even know how Sophia handles this on what seems to be a regular basis. Things actually took an even more drastic turn when Deborah turned her attention over to Farah and was like, you know what, Farah, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I've been so supportive of you, even when you were dating people that I didn't prove of like Derek, which we all know is the dead father of Farah's daughter, Sophia. So for Deborah to just suddenly bring him up, Kira was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, pump the brakes. And then Farah's like, what the absolute heck? So for Deborah to actually bring him up, not only to Farah, but in front of Sophia, who knows who Derek is, was just so mind blowing. Like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, woman. You are getting absolutely crazy here. So Farah obviously was really upset about that. And she shut right down and I just 
I'm trying to think about what I remember coming out of Farah's book because from what I recall reading on the blogs and stuff, it didn't seem like Deborah and Michael were supportive whatsoever of Farah's relationship with Derek. I remember, and I might be remembering this incorrectly, so let me know in the comments if I am, but I believe I remember reading something that claimed that Deborah and Michael didn't even allow Farah to grieve properly, maybe didn't allow her to go to the funeral or they didn't accompany her, like just a whole bunch of mess um, surrounding her relationship with him. So it's kind of interesting that Deborah wants to rewrite history here. The next day, Farrah goes out to lunch with her father, Michael, and his uh, fiance Amy, and recaps the entire saga once again in front of Sophia. She then leaves to the washroom, and as she goes, Michael takes his chance to ask her hostage, Sophia, whether or not she actually does not want to attend the wedding. He goes, so Sophia, between you and me, do you actually want to go to your grandma's wedding or no? And so Sophia has been trained so well as a fugitive that she was like, no, I don't want to go because I don't like David and David will be there. And unfortunately, it just looked like it just looks like that is that. And um, it's quite sad because you can just tell by her eyes that she doesn't even really know why she allegedly hates this David fella. Let's head over to Indiana where Amber goes to pick up her daughter Leah for what is probably the third or fourth time in like nine years. So along with Leah, she also brings her cousin Crystal and her mom as well to the pumpkin patch. And while on the wagon, Amber actually reveals the news that she is pregnant. And her mom starts crying immediately as she and Crystal accuse Amber of pranking them because come on, let's face it. We'd all hope that someone pushing 30 was not stupid enough to get knocked up by a complete stranger in like eight weeks right now Jen and Larry come over to Macy's house to pick up Bentley which was quite cute they really are such lovely supportive in-laws and I just want to say as she picks up Bentley Mimi goes come on Bentley we're gonna go get you fitted for your tux which is for the wedding obviously which to me was kind of like huh you're fitting him for a tux but his mom has not RSVP'd yes to this wedding or him attending so that was a little bit presumptuous and messy if you don't mind my saying anyway back home Mackenzie tells Ryan and his crazy eyes that she's glad Macy actually picked up the phone this time to allow him to see Bentley for his birthday Ryan claims that Macy never responds and so the producer asks about the drug test that Macy has been asking for and Ryan claims that he passed and his lawyer has the results. Then his dumb ass wife Mackenzie was like, Macy don't have results because she never asked for them. Well, dummy, it's your husband that um, is not able to see his son specifically because Macy does not have these results. So why are you acting like these are results that Macy wants to see just, just for fun? You know, like Macy wants to see these results so that your dummy of a husband is able to spend time with the child that he claims to want to spend time with. So you withhold results until Macy specifically asks you for it is doing nothing but harming Ryan and Bentley at the end of the day so I really don't know what the hell this woman was being so snooty for and now we're back at the pumpkin patch where even Amber's young second cousin is crying about how stupid of a decision she just makes. And her cousin Crystal says that she'd actually rather Amber's baby daddy be Andrew, who she literally has no idea about, rather than Matt. And that just goes to show how much this family really did hate Matt the entire time. And Amber's mom agrees and says that she actually hopes that there are no skeletons in Andrew's closet that they're going to find out about later, which 
is so, so freaky to think that not that long after this, they found out that it turns out that this Andrew guy has like an extensive criminal record and history of stalking and abusing ex-girlfriends. It's absolutely nuts how quickly Amber decided to hitch her wagon to this guy. It, you know, any guy, period, I should say. And later on, she and Crystal just talk amongst themselves about her, Amber's relationship with Andrew, where she said, where they both seem to be just plain happy that Amber is with someone other than Matt. I don't think the gravity of this situation really hits them in this moment because they're just in shock, but they seem relieved that Matt is out of the picture for good, you know, and they're probably like, you know what, if it takes a baby to keep him out of the picture for good, then so be it, he's that bad. Back in Italy, Farah tells Sophia that she loved Michael's engagement because the two of them were included in it, unlike Grandma's engagement to Dr. David. She also tells Sophia that they'll be seeing less and less of Deborah now that she's going to be married to David before she asks Sophia for her opinion of this relationship, which, of course, was going to parrot and mirror back her own, you know, revelations about how she feels about the relationship. So it's just so funny to see how Farah feeds Sophia info and then asks her to kind of regurgitate it back to her. Poor Sophia looked like a hostage. Now, Hudson and Bentley seem really close as they hug in the backseat of the grandparents' car, which is really cute to see. So they're off to get him fitted for his tuxedo and everything looks like it had um, turned out well. And we head back over to Jen and Larry's home where Ryan asks Mackenzie about the price of the uh, wedding band that she bought herself. Is anyone else starting to notice how curious it is that he consistently asks her how much she spends on pretty much anything that he notices is new? Um, Mackenzie then assures him like, dude, the, it was like $10, relax. Like, do you think I'm stupid or something? He goes, oh, I thought you were going to go spend like a hundred dollars or something like that and yeah honestly sometimes I wonder which was absolutely insane to think because a hundred dollars is not that much money and just the fact that it's Ryan kind of claimed to spend ten thousand dollars a week on heroin once upon a time but he can't even allow his wife to spend a hundred dollars on a wedding band like it just does not make any sense and my question to Mac is basically Mac why would you go and marry a drug addict for his money if he's not even gonna let you use that money like you are hustling all the way backwards you've got the game all wrong a one hundred dollar wedding band is the least that he could do for you after the way you humiliated yourself on worldwide television just to marry him for his wealth girl like the least he could do. Now, Caitlin's ready to take a pregnancy test in the middle of a public restaurant washroom, which I found to be quite gross, but I digress. She said that she needed to do it there in order to surprise King Tyler with her pregnancy. And so we quickly turn back to Gary's home where his daughter Leah reveals that she has a boyfriend named Derek. But when Gary asked her about whether or not she kissed him, even if on the cheek, she absolutely pleads the fifth on all accounts, which was so hilarious. And Gary tries to tell her like, hey, don't don't be kissing boys on the cheek because that's how uh, that's where babies come from and Leah just gave him the most epic side eye because she absolutely knows she is way too smart that is not where babies come from whatsoever it's just so funny how quickly these kids have grown in front of us and Leah is just too smart for her own good sometimes now Amber's pregnancy story was actually leaked before her stalker baby daddy Andrew could reveal the news to his family and they kind of just talk about how that affected them nothing too much happened there before we're back in Italy where the family heads out to eat gelato as Deborah 
brings Michael aside and asks him if he knows why Sophia doesn't want to come to her wedding. Michael says it's probably because of the drama at Key West. Remember when David and Farah were screaming at each other? They both told each other to like F themselves, all of that. And he was like, Sophia is so close to Farah. And remember, Sophia's homeschooled or whatever, right? Or tutored or something. And like she travels the world with just her mom. She doesn't have a dad. So yeah, she is particularly close to Farah. And so Farah seems to gossip to Sophia like some kind of a girlfriend. So of course, she does not like David because her mom does not like David. And Michael even revealed that Farah told Sophia about the drama that went down in Florida. How insane is that, you guys? Like, that is not something that Sophia needs to know at like nine years old. And he also assures Deborah that he and Amy have been trying to convince Sophia to go to the wedding. And um, it's actually quite sweet that he's been trying to help his ex-wife out and she's over there supporting his new engagement as well. Like I really like what's going on between the two of them there. Of course, a scene with Deborah would not be complete without her trying to cry her way into guilt tripping someone. And she's like, oh my God, I hope so. Do you know what it's like to be pulled in half? Oh my God, give it a break sometimes, Deborah. Back in Tennessee, Macy and Taylor sit at home and discuss how odd it was that Jen and Larry were getting Bentley fitted for his tuxedo, despite the fact that neither of them had RSVP to the wedding. Because remember, Mackenzie sent a really shady invitation where she didn't even address Taylor in it. And she also addressed Macy by her maiden name instead of her new name, McKinney, right? So... Taylor asked Macy, like, yo, what's going on? Why were they getting him fitted for a tuxedo? Did you RSVP? And at that moment, Macy tells her husband that, yeah, by the way, I did RSVP, yes. Um, Mackenzie had texted me apologizing for the mix-up, which was obviously not a mix-up. Um, but, but I RSVP'd, yes. I just... I hope that was a stage scene for the show because I just don't understand why your husband would not know that all of this kind of went down. I just, you know, that scene was a little bit weird to me. Now, Caitlyn gets Nova all dressed up in a pregnancy reveal shirt, which shocks the hell out of Tyler at that point, who at that point, sorry, was still struggling with sleep deprivation. You guys, I'm pretty sure Caitlyn was also still smoking at that point as well. Remember, she was smoking like three times the last episode. Um, she then tells Nova as well that she's got a baby in her belly and the three of them kind of celebrate and seem really stunned that the pregnancy happened so quickly. Tyler even called Caitlyn a fertile myrtle, which is what I would refer to her and literally everyone else in the franchise. They can sneeze and get pregnant and it's so crazy, you guys. Now, that wraps up the latest episode of Teen Mom OG, but as usual, I'm more excited to hear what you have to say about everything, so please make sure to leave all of your thoughts and opinions in the comment section down below and as usual we'll chat you can also like this video subscribe for more feel free to share it with your friends as well and follow me across social media where i absolutely love chatting with you that's all for now thank you so much for watching and i'll see you next time